Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell it like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sonny D. I want to thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast and the continued and growing support here on the Seems Legit Podcast. It really, uh, truly means the world to me, so thank you all so very much uh, for that uh, support. Also, if you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sunny D. All right, I want to talk today about earnings and how sometimes taking a little less now can be a better idea later. Now, I'm not telling everybody here that's what you need to do and should do in your life, but I want to talk about a couple of Hollywood situations um, or stories here that I found particularly interesting as they were examples of just how, I mean, all you needed was that opportunity, right? And I mean, you there's that expression that I've used and I've heard other people use it. It's a great expression. And it's it goes like this. And it's basically, don't ever step over dollars to pick up dimes. And I often find myself finding situations or looking at situations with people and sometimes they're close to you sometimes they're not sometimes they're celebrities whatever it might be breaking down these situations and you do find a lot in life and we're all and we can all be guilty of it i'm sure i've done it too at times uh i remember when i was first interviewing for jobs when i was uh finishing up my last term of university you know you kind of fuck up the interview a little bit kind of a situation there you know by saying you know saying oh i want more money or whatever it might be and we find ourselves stepping over dollars to pick up dimes. And that means we're turning down bigger amounts of money to go pick up that small little, what in the grand scheme of it is an insignificant or smaller amount of money because we just didn't have that big vision. So we let go of that opportunity. And because we're so focused on the right now, um, I mean, we end up being the ones that suffer in the long run. And just get that kind of opportunity cost or opportunity blown, so to speak, um, that we've all experienced. And just, I mean, how to recognize that. And I find, I think one of the biggest things is I was listening to a talk um, between Joe Rogan and uh, Penn Jillette uh, recently. I don't know if it was a recent discussion they were having on Joe Rogan's podcast or if it's an old episode, whatever it is. But it was a good talk they were having. And it was talking about, you know, how the frontal lobe doesn't fully develop and our cognitive formation doesn't kind of really reach full maturity till upwards of the age of 25. And I know when I was younger, right, we all have that feeling of invincibility. I know everything. I can do everything. I know more than my parents. I know more than my teachers. You know, all of this, we all have that kind of air of invincibility. But it's funny because I think looking back, I know for myself at least, I think that's true. I didn't truly mature until I was arguably 25 I had a more and by mature I mean that ability to really and truly see absolute big picture didn't occur until about those mid-20s to late mid-20s I'm sure for a lot of us when we look at it and maybe it's that culmination of life experiences I don't know what it is and maybe you know it's through various educations and experiences each of us are different in that development because some people have it young some people do have that right away others it takes a little longer Um, and there's nothing wrong with that uh, you can still be incredibly smart, just, I mean, have that big picture until later in life. Uh, it happens. But whatever it is, there's a certain sense there, right? And when we look back, I'm sure there were times when we were younger that, yeah, we thought, hey, wait a second, this seems like a good idea now, and then it isn't. 
um, or it wasn't as profitable as doing other things. The good example and the example I gave there earlier was, for instance, when I was uh, in my last term of university interviewing for jobs. Uh, in one of the interviews, I actually they said, what would be the deciding factor between us and any other job you've applied for? And like an idiot, um, or I guess not an idiot, but unexperienced, so to speak, uh, in terms of uh, the, the whole interview process. I mean, it was the first time I was applying really truly for a job with strangers, using my credentials, my resume to get it for me. Uh, you don't have that, ex you might not have that experience. And I was one of those, I, I just didn't. I mean, all the jobs I had before that were either, I mean, through the university um, or through connections I had. So this was my first time doing this. And I meant, yeah, I made a lot of mistakes, but man, did I learn from those mistakes. Uh, but one of the ones I, but in that first interview, I remember the thing I said was uh, compensation. And they said, excuse, and they said, well, what do you mean by compensation? I said, pay. I said, whichever job pays the most, all factors considered equal, that's probably where I will go. Now, in hindsight, is that the best answer to use in an interview type situation? No, maybe not. Uh, was it the most honest? Absolutely. It was 100% my feeling on the situation. Um, I wasn't trying to hide that at all. Uh, but, I mean, who knows? Um, maybe in hindsight, I did kind of shoot myself in the foot, uh, so to speak, uh, when it came to getting that job, you know, all of a sudden, you know, maybe that job would have turned into something bigger down the road, but instead I thought, yeah, right now it's all about the money and you know, not about the experience. I just didn't have that. I think, and I mean, maybe all students go through that or a lot of students go through that because I mean, you're so used to being stuck in that classroom environment, that student environment that coming out of it, you're just so happy to be out of it. And you're like, oh, I want to be paid for what I feel I'm worth. And I'm a superstar. And, you know, we all have those kind of grandiose dreams or thoughts, of our, at least some of us do, uh, of ourselves. And we, and we want to be paid and compensated as such. Uh, and I know that was kind of a big thing for me early on. Now, looking back, I mean, and again, through experience, through education, all of these things, it helps us develop that ability to reason and rationalize. And just have that bigger picture and maybe taking a step back, slowing down a little bit. Um, all of these things factor in. And, you know, so just because we made mistakes doesn't mean we're always going to make them, right? The idea there is to learn from these mistakes. And in this case, and, and the case I'm talking about here is sometimes you do take that little bit less to look forward uh, to a bigger opportunity later. I know I've talked to friends of mine and that's how they've positioned themselves in very cor various corporate environments, they knew that taking a little bit less now, you know, in two to three, four years from now, if they're at that same organization, pays dividends. They know 24 months out from now, it pays dividends, right? It's no different than people investing in real estate, right? They know they have to put out some money now and hopefully they make it back later. Whatever you choose to do, it's that idea, right, is you know sometimes you have to leave a little bit now, but in the big picture, you know you're going to collect. And, I mean, you look at that, for instance, in the fight game. You know, fighters take those risks. I knew uh, a good example of that back in the early days of the UFC was Chuck Liddell uh, was the number one contender for the UFC light heavyweight title against uh, his quote-unquote friend Tito Ortiz. And it seemed for a while there, a lot of people suspected Tito was ducking Chuck. He didn't want to fight Chuck, was afraid of Chuck, whatever it might be. I don't know. Uh, but... Tito wasn't taking the fight with Chuck. 
Chuck eventually, so Tito eventually took a title fight. And I think on the same night, Tito defended his title against Ken Shamrock. Chuck decided to put his number one contender that had been guaranteed to him on the line because he didn't want to stay inactive. And he uh, fought a dangerous contender, Hanato Babalu Sobral. Now, could he have waited for that one big payday and said, yeah, okay? Absolutely. And I wouldn't have faulted him. Nobody would have faulted him for that. But instead, Chuck decided to take the risk, beat Sobral, and ended up becoming uh, like a uh, contender, got the big fight. And it, I mean, was probably widely regarded as the first mega star of mixed martial arts. At least a lot of people do regard him as that mega star of mixed martial arts. And it was by doing those things, not being afraid of anybody. He was the Iceman, right? He went over and fought in pride. You know, whatever it was, he was the guy. And really, truly was that first mixed martial arts pioneer to escape the the realm of mixed martial arts to have notoriety mainstream kind of notoriety and i mean it, it gets taken to different levels right every time there's been bigger stars since chuck i mean gsp was bigger brock lesnar was bigger anderson's you know it gets bigger and bigger and then now conor mcgregor and who's what knows what the next level of star looks like but he was one of those first ones and in there it was kind of and i look at that as a lesson of yeah you know what Am I going to get paid the same for a fight with Babalu that I am going to get a, for a title fight against uh, Tito? Probably not. I don't think he would have. Now, I mean, at that point, beat Sobral. Uh, long story, he ended up eventually becoming UFC light heavyweight champion. was the big ticket in the UFC. So that's just one example. And another example, or two other examples that kind of jump up to mind on this subject are uh, they published, uh, I guess, um, Orlando Bloom was on, uh, who was it? Howard Stern's uh, radio show. And uh, revealed that he only made $175,000 for the three Lord of the Rings fan, uh, movies. And, I mean, back then, Orlando Bloom wasn't nearly as big a star as he is now. But, I mean, when you think of how much those movies made billions in the box office, merchandise, everything, and he got paid $175,000... But, I mean, while that seems like such a minuscule amount then, imagine the millions he's made since and the break and a breakthrough role like that on top of it, right? So that was a great and golden opportunity there where, I mean, a relatively young, unknown actor or a lesser known actor gets put in this mainstream. I mean, it was the biggest movie franchise for a while there. I mean, that was the big thing. When's the next Lord of the Rings movie? And they were so... Uh, I mean, for better or worse, whether you like Lord of the Rings or not, they were a very intriguing movie series. I mean, the, the visual effects alone were incredible. The storytelling, everything. I mean, you truly believed you were watching this adventure in Middle-earth. And, I mean, what a great opportunity, right? So, there you go. You had a situation where, for instance, could he have asked more whoever, but he might not have gotten the role. Right? And I mean, for him, he looked at that as like, hell yeah. And I think even in the interview, he went on to say, I would have done it for half the money, like looking back on it. And I mean, fuck yeah. You know, it's no different than getting cast as a regular role or a recurring role in a Marvel movie. I mean, you look at how all it takes sometimes is that one little thing to get you over the edge. I mean, Johnny Depp, um, from what I understand, the big pay jump occurred for him when he signed on to do Captain Jack Sparrow. Now, his talent was always apparent. He was already a star by that point. Like, he was a name brand movie star. But, I mean, boy, did he catapult after uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, especially getting nominated for the Oscar, I believe, for the first one. Um, and in my opinion, I think he should have gotten it. 
Uh, he's one of those actors I still to this day don't know how he doesn't have an Academy Award yet. Uh, I think he's one of the most brilliant actors of all time. Uh, but uh, regardless, that's another example, right? You know, he probably took lesser less money to do other great movies and then boom, fuck yeah, got the opportunity and sailed with it. Um, so yeah, so good for Orlando Bloom. And I mean, so sometimes we have to have that big picture and I'm not saying it has to be money wise, right? Sometimes it's the position we take. Sometimes it's the type of, uh, job we do, whatever it might be in life. And sometimes, you know, even looking at that in any sense, so let's break it down for poker, for instance. I mean, there's nothing wrong with staying at certain stakes a little longer, Right, you know, you play the stakes that you're gonna be most that you're gonna have the best advantage and be most profitable at, right? So sometimes people, oh, you have to move up the move up in stakes, move up in stakes. Well, okay, you might see a short term gain there, but in the long run, that's where the issue might occur, right? So again, it's it's no, it's how it's being able to take that step back and look big picture is kind of the message I wanted to get across in this episode today. Uh, another good example there is, as I said, Marvel movies, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, and I, I'm not sure the exact details of his life story. I don't know Robert Downey Jr. Uh, but uh, what it seemed like, it was kind of one of those things where people thought he was kind of a, what could have been in Hollywood, right? People thought he was maybe washed up. He had a certain rep bad boy reputation um, and seemed kind of down and out. And then all of a sudden, he's cast to do uh, Tony Stark, uh, be Tony Stark and Iron Man, and boom. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is is alive and well. And I, from what I understand, I've heard numbers in the hundred dollars to $150,000 for that first movie. Right? I mean, now he's gone on to make hundreds of millions uh, from those movies. But imagine that. All he needed was that one opportunity. Right? So some, And that goes back to what we talked uh, about in the last episode about back to school, right? capitalizing on opportunities opportunities are hard to come by and you are the one that is working to give yourself opportunity your hard work and sacrifice and effort that's what gets you opportunities in life nothing else it's it's putting yourself in positions to succeed firstly and then performing to succeed right so when you think about that it's no different there Right now, I'm not saying we're all Hollywood actors. That's not all what I'm saying. We all have the same income potential there at all. I was just using these to kind of illustrate a more generalized point. I don't want anybody to say, oh, well, you know, I heard on this podcast I should be taking less money. No, it's big picture. But it's looking like it, it, it's about, to, it, it always comes back to two things. The very simple formula. Put yourself in positions to succeed. And then once you get in those positions... You have to perform to succeed. It's a very, very, very simple formula. And that's just two Hollywood examples of that, right? And I mean, now Robert Downey Jr. is a mega, mega star. Johnny Depp, mega, mega star. Orlando Bloom, mega star, right? And it comes from you have to figure out where to find that sacrifice. Where's that opportunity and how do I just pounce and make the most of it? Jordan Binnington in the NHL this year. I mean, or last season. Fucking guy start, is fourth on the depth chart for the St. Louis Blues. So he's the backup to the third string guy. He's the backup down in the minor leagues. I think it was kind of one of those things too where he was a rotating fourth on the depth. 
So even if a fifth guy came in, the fifth guy might have jumped straight up to three kind of thing. And he gets the start. I mean, St. Louis was down and out. You know, down and out. Who would have thought, right? And I mean, their number one goalie goes down. Jake Allen, everything got down the depth chart. Down the uh, depth chart, you go, and I mean, you stumble across this kid. And I mean, he had had a couple of extra years in the minors, right? And then boom, he gets that opportunity and fucking shines. I mean, he goes from making probably a few hundred thousand dollars last year to now he signed a two-year, eight-point-something million-dollar extension. And I, I mean, they had their little press conference the other day, and I thought he said something truly brilliant at it. And he said, I think it's a fair deal. And not only that, um, I know it takes more than just one player to win. And I thought that was super, super, super brilliant. As it kind of reminded me of the Tom Brady model uh, in football, right? Take a little less to build yourself uh, a winning situation. And I just thought that that was, that, that was so wise of Jordan Bennington there. And I mean, who knows? Maybe a couple of years now down the road, that's when he says, show me the money, right? But I mean, $4 million for a guy that basically stole you your way to the cup. I mean, what a story. And when I look at other NHL stories like that, where somebody could be the breakout star, I look at a guy, Eric Comrie, down here for the Manitoba Moose slash Winnipeg Jets. I mean, he's been buried third on the depth chart uh for forever and i mean at one point he was even fourth on the depth chart here in winnipeg or uh, for the moose and for the jets and he might even be fourth third he's battling for third with uh, mikhail burden this year that's for sure and he could again be that guy i mean he's had a couple of times though to come up that's the problem that's what separates him from bennington a little bit is he has had those call-ups um, hasn't quite been able to make the most of his opportunity, but I mean that if you're Eric Comrie, I mean, that could be a super inspiring story, you know, rather than, you know, look at it as anything, just be like, fuck. Yeah. If he can do it, I can fucking do it. And I've long said there is some trade value there with a guy like Comrie to any other team. So, I mean, who knows, maybe a team sees that and they're like, Hey, maybe we want that kid there. Who's had that extra time to develop as it is known. And, um, well-known within the hockey circles, goalies tend to develop to NHL prime a little bit later than players do. Does take them that little bit longer to just get the hang of it and that consistency and all of that a little bit longer than it does for uh, defensemen or forwards. And, I mean, and it, some players develop a little later. Look at Victor Hedman. I mean, he took a few years there to get, and now he's Weilogar's one-up, if not the best uh, defenseman in the league. So... Again, Eric Comrie there could be inspired by the Bennington story, but against making the most of those opportunities. So no matter what it is in, in your life, just kind of always have that idea of looking back and make sure we're not doing that proverbial stepping over dollars to pick up dimes, right? You want to make sure you are doing those two things, putting yourself in a position to succeed and performing to succeed. Anyway, I'll leave it there for today. I thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. Uh, if you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the Dude Thank you so much. Take care and bye bye for now.